This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys, by I'm told, a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-Play Cast, Todd Bodet. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Play by Playcast is back at it here for episode 17. Thanks as always for clicking subscribe or download and joining us once again for uh, what's one of our actual, uh, actually lengthier episodes. And I think there's a lot of really good stuff in it as well. Uh, I apologize uh, post-interview. I did it at the end of our phone call, but I'll do it again now. Uh, to Matt Martucci for taking so much of his uh, his Thursday night. We actually did this interview yesterday. Uh, one of his rare Thursday nights at home uh, with his family, and, uh, and and he spent it with me on the phone for an hour. So many thanks to Matt Martucci for giving us a lot of insight into, for him, what's been a really interesting career, I think, to this point. Uh, he's only 32 years old, and Matt's done a lot for a lot of different people uh, and is very good at what he does as well. So I was really curious to pick his brain uh, and see what he had to, to say and offer and uh, what he had to, to offer to, to all of you out there as well. Uh, we'll get to two cheer in a little bit, but uh, as always, the house cleaning notes right off the top. Uh, love it when uh, we hear from people. Uh, if you want to shout us out on Twitter, uh, feel free and go ahead. We are at PXPCast. I am at Joel Godet, J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T. Uh, say hey, say hi, ask questions, uh, tell us we're awful, uh, whatever you want to do. Uh, but uh, if you want to say hey on Twitter, uh, always great to know that there are people out there uh, consuming this podcast and uh, and getting something out of it as well. Uh, so that uh, certainly it's great for me. I enjoy doing this because I get to talk to people and pick people's brains. But it's also good to know that uh, you're doing something that other people are enjoying as well. So if you want to give us a shout out on Twitter uh, and say, hey, I uh, would love to hear from you at PXPCast or again at Joel Godet. And then, of course, uh, ratings and stars and all that stuff is great if you want to throw uh, the podcast away also. Uh, to those of you who have done that, by the way, I hadn't checked. I just, I, I just kind of said it every week. But there are there are a handful of people that have actually done that. So thank you uh, to those of you that have done that because uh, apparently I don't know a lot about how this all works. But iTunes likes it uh, when when that happens. Like there's rankings and all that stuff, and we're a long way off from that. Uh, but it's not a bad thing uh, when iTunes knows that people listen and they like it and all that good stuff. So. If you want to throw some stars our way, uh, I'm not going to stop you. Uh, we'll just go uh, go with that. Uh, on to today's guest. Matt Martucci is 32 years old. He and I crisscrossed at Syracuse for a year. Uh, by the way, side note, we are on, what is it, episode 17 again? 17 episodes. Matt Martucci, third Syracuse guy. We joked back at the beginning, uh, Adam Amin said on Twitter, uh, former podcast guest Adam Amin said on Twitter, I think uh, I think it might have been episode one when we had Carter Blackburn on. He joked about uh, just the, the Syracuse talk. Uh, and then I had Andy Demetra on uh, the next week, which is another Syracuse guy. Um, and we haven't had on one since. Uh, so there actually will be a little bit of Syracuse inside baseball back and forth. WAER gets mentioned a handful of times in this podcast. Uh, there are some names that will be uh, inside baseball to some Syracuse people. Scott Willis, uh, his name will come up. Uh, I don't think Eric Cohen's name gets mentioned, although it might, uh, who is the music director at WAER. Uh, but all the really fine folks that, that both Tooch and I had a chance to work with um, back when we were in college, uh, so there, and there's some Dino Babers talk right off the top as well, uh, and he's about the only person I can tell you, and you'll learn that pretty quickly. Uh, that's still involved with Syracuse football, just because you know we're all in our own worlds. Uh, but yeah, we do get into some Syracuse uh, stuff on here. Uh, Tooch and I overlapped though for a year. He was a senior when I was a freshman, so we kind of knew each other. Uh, you know, we we rubbed elbows a little bit, but that's about it. Uh, the way that things are structured there, uh, when you're a freshman, you're kind of cutting your teeth and you're working your way up and not a ton of exposure to the guys that are seniors, but uh, certainly knew who each other were and 
as we've gone on into uh, the business, know who each other uh, are. Uh, but Tooch, since graduating from Syracuse, took an interesting path and uh, said on another podcast, he was on Mike Janella's podcast uh, back in January. Uh, Mike Janella is uh, another Syracuse guy, a friend of both of ours. Um, and he had said he wanted to make it big in a, he wanted to make it in a big market right away. That's what he wanted to do. He didn't necessarily want to take the the Pocatello route and East Slingshot and bounce all over the country. Uh, he wanted to take his shot in where he's from, Philadelphia, and he's also done some work in New York, certainly. Uh, and it's worked out really well for Matt. Not the easiest path, and we've talked about that uh, with some previous guests on this podcast, the the pick a market and try to make it in the market type deal. Uh, it's a way to go. It's uh, got its pluses and, and minuses, and we'll get into some of that with Matt. Uh, but the list of things that Tooch has done in 10 years out of college St. Joe's men's and women's basketball. He got into some production stuff with them first, which opened the door to all of, uh, obviously, men's basketball uh, work, most notably for for St. Joe's. Fox Sports Regional, Campus Insiders, Comcast, Westwood One, Sirius XM, The Fanatic in Philadelphia, WIP, The Philadelphia Soul, The Atlantic City Surf, may it rest in peace, former Atlantic League independent baseball team, uh, the Lacrosse Network, the Lax Sports Network, that uh, new network that came out this year. Uh, he's doing work with that. And uh, Be In Sports, which is uh, a new venture that he is a part of this year. One World Sports, he has done work for all of these different people, uh, climbing his way up through uh, the broadcasting ranks in the broadcasting world. So I wanted to talk to Tooch about doing all of that because he's done it really well. And I think he, he lends some interesting perspective as far as all of that goes. Uh, again, a long podcast, so we'll get right into it. Um, I say that like four minutes into the open. But uh, Tooch, very generous, and we could have gone on. I, I never mentioned, he brought him up, but I never brought up uh, Joey Brackett's. Uh, Joe Lunardi is his color guy with St. Joe's. We probably could have done a podcast about that uh, in and of itself. Uh, but where we started was with his uh, most recent new venture, which is Be In Sports, uh, which just launched a college football package this year with Conference USA. So uh, our conversation with Matt Martucci about Be In Sports and other things broadcasting right here on Play by Playcast. What is Be In Sports? That's uh, a fantastic question. <laughs> Be In Sports is a network that started uh, about four years ago uh, down in Miami, Florida, with um, at least in the U.S., um, with the intention of bringing um, Premier League soccer and La Liga and, and things like that um, to what was what started out as a primarily Spanish-speaking audience uh, in the greater Miami area that eventually ended up being carried on cable networks and, and across the U.S. So it started out with soccer, and then uh, the vision of the network kind of became, let's try and expand. So they've they've added all kinds of things. They're very big over in Europe. There's a there's a big time presence in terms of um, offices uh, over in Spain. I believe there's one in France. Uh, they're really spread all over the world, and they do coverage of the of the Super Bowl and and basically all the big events. They had coverage of the Olympics this year. Um, I, I'm not completely sure how how a lot of uh, some of their broadcasting works. Some of it is you know simply taking a feed. And, and having announcers in the studio, you know, almost like the, uh, you know, the remote integration games, the Remy games and how those work, um, for some of the, the bigger events that they do. But they're, they're definitely well represented, uh, all over Europe. They're, they're certainly a growing network in the U.S. Um, they're in, in, in uh, an amazing number of households that at the, at the moment I, I don't have the exact number, but, um, they're offered on, on basically almost all of the, the major cable networks and Dish Network, DirecTV. My parents can get it, which is nice. Um, it's always good. You know, it's not nice to be able to, to do a game on a Saturday night and, and actually have them be able to tune in, um, which, which is pretty cool. But they're uh, a growing network. That's, to, to sum it up, it's really only been in the U.S. about three or four years at this point and started out covering soccer and now has branched out into the realm of college sports with Conference USA being their first deal. But based on the way that this has gone and 
the feedback uh, that they've gotten from the conference, I would think that Conference USA may be the first, but there are certainly more to come. Or maybe there, maybe there's more Conference USA, so to speak, like games of the week. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. I think um, the, the most impressive thing, uh, you know, in terms of I, I think what they've been able to do and just show them from a production standpoint um, is is the quality, you know, of their production and what they've been able to put into it uh, by hiring uh, a quality production team and um, obviously you know, uh, a capable, capable broadcasting staff. Um, and I think that's, that's what's really stood out. You know, they, I don't think a lot of people expected it to, to be as high quality, at least from a production standpoint, as it's been right off the bat, because it is their first foray into, into college sports. So in terms of pick of the litter, um, with the deal that Conference USA had, there are some games on ESPN, some on CBS Sports Network. There's one going on right now, Western Kentucky and uh, La Tech. Um, and then there's uh, American Sports Network. So by the time BN ended up getting its pick, um, you know, you're, you're kind of on the, on the fourth tier in terms of some of the games. And um, some of the, ga- the games have been fantastic anyway. Uh, we had Troy and Southern Miss a few weeks ago that ended up coming down to the last play. Um, we had an FAU FIU Shula Bowl rivalry game that came down to the last possession. So uh, there have definitely been a, a lot of really good ones. But I, I think what you're going to see even more so, you know, as as they get deeper into this and as their coverage continues to expand, is that uh, the quality of game, you know, gets gets all that much better um, as they get deeper into this. Uh, not and again, not to say that that the quality of these games hasn't been great, but you're going to get the, you know, the, the top tier matchups. You're going to get like what you have tonight on CBS sports network, where you have like a lot tech at a Western Kentucky or Western Kentucky in a middle Tennessee, or, you know, something, a Southern miss in a Western Kentucky, something along those lines. How does, uh, and I, sorry if the, I don't, I don't want to pry too much, but I mean, how does, how do you get in on the ground floor? How did you get in on the ground floor? And, and how did you kind of find out what's going on at BN Sports and get yourself? Obviously, you've got a, a wide array of background. Uh, and I know you've done Conference USA stuff before, so maybe it's through that. But uh, how do you find yourself aware of the fact that, hey, this, this new venture is starting? Let's see about getting in on the ground floor. That's a great question. And in terms of how I found out, I, I want to say I. I started reading rumblings that Conference USA was, was going to have a new partner probably in maybe like mid-May. And I wasn't sure who it was necessarily going to be. I don't think until it got to be later in the month and um, you started to hear a little bit more about BN. Honestly, my first knowledge of BN, uh, I don't know if you even remember when, uh, when I was at Syracuse, um, kind of in between my year and your year, Jared Schwartz was probably a year behind me and he'd started to do soccer for them. Um, so that was kind of, uh, my, my first knowledge of BN was that there was this network in Florida where they were calling a lot of international soccer and they were using English speaking announcers to do it. Um, and it was kind of honestly my, my first experience or knowledge of remote integration games where, Oh, Okay. You know, people are walking in with, with a headset and whatever they've prepared, and they're doing a game off of a monitor. They're doing a game off of feed, kind of like what I've experienced uh, up at One World Sports in Connecticut. And that was kind of my first knowledge a few years back. But then getting to know about this in May and, you know, finding uh, a little bit more about it, in early June I had talked to my agent and said, you know, who do you think the the names are, the people that, that we should be in contact with? And he he kind of had an idea. And then I talked to some other folks, uh, some other friends in the business, and we kind of determined, you know, that there was one name, the executive producer's name, that we should be contacting, and we should send them something. And it ended up being kind of a tag team effort. Uh, I kind of let him reach out because I figured neither of us knew, and it knew these people so it made more sense to to have him reach out first and see what happened and honestly june went by and i think he reached out in mid-june and we didn't really hear anything until early august i was literally 
about to do a, a Westwood One Olympic update shift. It's like nine o'clock on a Wednesday night, and I got an email from my agent in early August that basically said, "Hey, um, you know, you could be in play for this. Uh, they're still finalizing decisions. Um, you know, do you have an interest?" And I said, "Yeah, of course, I'm interested. <laughs> Great." Uh, basically gave me the schedule and 10 games and all the game times and, um, you know, one or two of them conflicted with basketball. And I said, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to make it work, uh, to the point where we are making it work. One of my St. Joe's tournaments is in St. Thomas, the second to last weekend of our regular season. Um, so I'm going to do a, a St. Joe's Paradise Jam game Friday afternoon in St. Thomas. I'm going to connect in Miami. And then I'm going to fly to Dallas and get into Dallas about midnight. And that next Saturday evening, I'm going to do North Texas and Southern Miss. And 5 a.m. the following morning, we're going to fly back to St. Thomas and finish up Paradise Jam with St. Joe's. So um, that's the long answer in terms of of how I found out and and how we got into it. But uh, it's been a great partnership so far. It's been fun to work with them and and honestly fun to, to get to know folks at the network and um, get a little bit more of an understanding of, of Miami and the culture and, and folks down there. Because honestly, truth be told, I hadn't spent necessarily a ton of time in Miami other than, you know, leaving for a cruise once or twice. I <laughs> uh, hadn't, hadn't really been, been in the city very often. So it's, it's definitely been fun that way too, uh, culturally, just to, just to soak all that up and, and to get to see a, a new place that just happens to house the network that I'm working for. Yeah, now you're working with Donovan McNabb, so all things are, you know, you're right back at Syracuse in some ways. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> interesting. Um, right back in Syracuse, right back into pieces of... Philly, yeah. Childhood. Of, yeah. yeah, childhood. Well, not quite childhood, I guess, because I want to say when was it was 99. Donovan's, Donovan's first year was 99, so I was like 15. That's but, childhood. Um, we'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's not always it's some sort of, you know, teenage years, so it's it's part of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, getting to, getting to experience that and, you know, knowing him as, as the quarterback that's part of the, the best era of Eagles football that I've been a part of growing up outside the Philly area and then getting to work with him is, it's cool. It's, it's definitely fun that way. Um, and obviously the, the Syracuse connection is, is fun that way too. And something that, that we talk about from time to time. Um, usually they'll, we'll do a pregame segment where they'll, they'll toss it to us from the studio. And I kind of get to rib on O.J. McDuffie and, and Kajana Carter if Penn State lost. And I get to congratulate Donovan if Syracuse won, which has only happened twice this year. So uh hasn't been very often, but that, that part of it's fun, too. Yeah, it's a good thing the Louisville game was on a Friday because then you could just push that one behind and not worry about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and yeah, that was a, that was a that was a good one to put yeah, behind. Not good. Lamar Lamar Jackson hurling people. <laughs> I turned it on, and uh, I I literally turned it on eight seconds in, and they were losing, and I didn't know what just happened. And then a minute and a half later, they were down fourteen nothing. So I just I have faith though, because I know Dino Babers, and I like him. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, no, and I like honestly, I like everything they've been able to do offensively. I like Dungey a lot, and. Uh, the the wideout whose name whose name escapes me at the moment the Maryland guy or, or Esteem uh, the kid that's been the kid that's been setting all the records yeah the the, yeah I, I can't pronounce it record. yeah yeah I can't pronounce it and <laughs> that kid's gonna honestly though if he's doing that already uh, that's <laughs> that's pretty impressive and what what Dungey's been able to do I've I've been impressed with what I've seen so um they'll they'll put it together. I just, let's hope they put it together. I just want to, I, yeah, I, I like Dino too. Yeah, real quickly too. By the way, I think this is it's either episode sixteen or seventeen of this podcast, and that is the first foray we've had into anything Syracuse related, other than like time spent at Newhouse, and that was in like episode two. Uh, so I think that's just impressive on its on its face because this is play by play cast, with, and I, I I I guess I've shied away from the Syracuse stuff. We finally got into it there. Um, yeah, talking yeah. Dino Babers. Uh, yeah, there you go. There what's, you go. What's, this, what's this been like for you two being a, a new foray? What's it like being uh, being a part of something that is brand new, uh, feeling like you're a part of something that's kind of special and starting and uh, and kicking something off as opposed to, to walking into something that's pre-established? Is there something different about that from a broadcast standpoint? 
Uh, I, I don't know that it's it's necessarily different in the way that you prepare and, and the way that you approach things, but it's, de- it's definitely a new feel in terms of the fact that, you know, we are the, the first people starting this uh, on this network. And it, the fact that no one had ever done college football before on this network for these folks is it, pretty cool. Uh, when I actually stopped and, and thought about it a little bit, that first night in El Paso doing a, the Battle of I-10 uh, between New Mexico State and UTEP and sitting back and, and thinking about it at the hotel and then out afterwards, oh, wow. <laughs> this, that's, that's the first time anyone's ever done a football game on the sports. And, you know, that's, that's something that, that honestly I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life because, you know, how many times in my career am I going to really be able to say that, that I, I got to, to make that foray into a new network, into a, a new venture like that? Because in, in 2016, you know as well as I do, for the most part, everything is, is pre-established or is an offshoot of something or, you know, it's, it's somebody's brainchild that was at some other place. So it doesn't necessarily have that, that brand new, polished, shiny feel to it. Yep. Uh, this, is, this is definitely something that every week when we talk to these kids and we talk to these schools, it's actually kind of a, a nice chip. Um, when you sit around and you, you do your player interviews and you do your coach conference calls, Hey, you know what? You're part of the first season of college football on being. So that's that's something that's that's amazing and and honestly pretty cool when you you stop and think about it. I I don't think it changes how I approach week to week, but in terms of of how I've thought about it, you know how I look at it in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it's definitely a little different, but it's it's a it's a great kind of different, and uh, it's something I'm really happy to be a part of. It's one of the things that, that I've kind of found fascinating about your career path, though, is when you when you look back at the stuff you've done, you you turned 32 this year, Tooch? I did, 32 in March, yeah. If I'm leaving anything out, uh, interject for me, but uh, I'm just going yeah, to okay. I'm, I'm read down the list. Um, St. Joe's, men's and women's, you had Fox Sports Regional, Campus Insiders, Comcast Network, Westwood One, we mentioned, uh, Sirius, uh, the Fanatic, now IP, um, you did the Soul, you did the Surf, Lax Sports Network, uh, now you're doing the stuff with BN. Uh, what have you done to, to, to find, I mean, like, you've got, I feel like in this industry, and, and especially in this era, people trying to find their kind of foothold in one or two places uh you've got like the ultimate like hustle mantra um what's it been like for you building that foothold and, and finding uh and and knocking down all those open doors or or closed uh, doors word, and making them open in a word tiring <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I i don't sleep a whole lot um my my wife would tell you that um some some nights you know well after she's gone to bed uh, the light is still on by my nightstand, and I'm I'm up looking looking at stuff or, or thinking about who I I should contact next or you know where the next opportunity is is going to be. Um, you know, I I think some of it is honestly good fortune. Um, a large percentage of it is as we always talk about in this business, right place, right time. Um, and then there's there's another part of it I think. I've, I've become pretty good. I, I, I think at, at keeping in touch with people and networking with people and kind of finding out when, when things are, are going to come open. Um, serious as an example, I had a colleague in Philadelphia that was there that was taking a job at NBC sports radio and was leaving his current position at serious. And, uh, he and I stayed in touch and I basically said, you know, do you mind if, if I pass something along to you to, to recommend to them? And he said, no, not at all. They're going to be looking to fill it quickly, and it, it, it could work out really well for you. Um, and I can remember, honestly, at this point, that was four, four years ago, about four years since I started working there. But I remember the summer before I got that job, being on a, a cruise with my wife and my, just my girlfriend, um, you know, checking email on on an island, some random island, like finding a <laughs> finding a place with Wi-Fi, so I could actually find out whether or not I was going to get an interview for this job. Yeah, and sweating sweating out whether or not I was going to have that type of opportunity. Um, everything that I that I ended up with in Philadelphia, 
uh, honestly was just, you know, people being willing to, to listen or, or just help me out or recognize that, that maybe there was a, a little bit of talent and that there was a passion and that maybe they might be able to help if, if they could point me in the right direction to somebody to, to maybe take it a step further. Uh, St. Joe's, what I've done at St. Joe's in terms of, you know, being able to open other doors in Philadelphia and just, you know, with the people that, that I've been able to meet there, the likes of Joe Lenardi and, and Phil Martelli and, and folks like that, uh, that's that's opened doors for me that, that I never would have necessarily imagined uh, would be possible. St. Joe's was kind of my, my end to... Yet, and then uh, at that point, an internship with the fanatic to to get up and cut sound and to you know to to basically produce things. I wasn't even really doing anything on the air. I mean, we we talk about Syracuse and having to write mock sportscasts and things like that that aren't even going on the air. I had to go through that all over again, and it was the same year that I had taken over for Tom McCarthy in Philadelphia. So, Did you have to do it at four forty-five in the morning? Though was the question. Uh, well, my my first internship was Mike and Mike. So, so yes, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was four forty-five, but I had to when the show started, and a lot of the time I was the only one in the building. It's like <laughs> we were when when uh, when. Whatever it is, is it fresh air or all things considered? What's even on? Uh, morning edition. Morning edition. Morning edition. Morning yeah. edition. Morning edition. Uh, With Renee Montaigne and Steve Inskeep. Yeah, Benetti or somebody is going to listen to this and be like, how do you not know the NPR program? <laughs> By the, uh, like the back of your hand. Come on, all things yeah, considered is in the yeah. afternoon, man. I, I can tell you, I know who read the who read the news. I can tell you exactly who our morning anchor was. Well, of course, because uh, you got, you stood next to him. Oh, well, no, that was in the morning. Or did Scott yeah. Scott did it in the morning for no, you? No, no, that was in the afternoon. Okay, no, Scott was in the afternoon. Yeah, those were fun though. Those were those were a lot of fun. So, in terms of how did I how did I adopt the uh, the hustler mantra? I, I think it just evolved that way. I just felt like I had to. Because this this business is so weird in that, you know, yeah, a lot of people look for one or two things, but I, I think if, you know, honestly, if if you want to keep moving up, sometimes one or two things, it's really, really hard to to just to nail down one or two things where, you know, you can be, be happy at the end of the day. At least for me, that's, my mentality has always been kind of one of those things where, no matter how much I'm doing, and this is a blessing and a curse, I'm never satisfied. So I'll do something for a while, and, and you know, you, you celebrate the, the successes that you have with, with family and, and close friends and things like that. But then, you know, after a while, it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do next? <laughs> or, you know, what's what's the next thing? When's the next opportunity? And I, I, I think for it, it almost became like a game. And I would almost encourage anybody that that you know wants to move up and wants to continue to advance and would would want to do it in a similar path, just make it a game. You know, make it make it a game with yourself. Like, oh, how many people can I contact, and how many people can I talk to this week? And you know, and obviously, getting better is is at the forefront of that too. Uh, I do feel like I've improved. Uh, over the course of when I started doing this until now, I didn't really get into doing TV until later, probably uh, like three or four years until I got out of school. And honestly, that, that may have held me back a little bit, but I think based on the progress I've made, it it's worked out okay. Um, but in, in terms of, you know, chasing that down, um, making it a game for me and, and trying to trying to improve while at the same time trying to meet as many people as I possibly can um, you know, became kind of a, a fun game. At times, a frustrating game, but but a fun one. Um, this business isn't easy, but I I think honestly, at the end of the day, if if you have some talent and you know you put yourself in a position to to get breaks when they're available and to capitalize on opportunities, there's a spot for you, and there's there's a chance to to eventually earn a decent living. Sometimes it it just takes a little while. At what point did you kind of and maybe the answer is not yet. Uh, but at what point did you kind of feel like I've I've put myself in a position where I can actually do this? Uh, pardon me. 
uh, where I can actually do this, where I've I, I've I, I've strung together enough things where uh, I can I can live and I can eat, and then I can also gain solid footing and 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 do this and and set myself up to take those next big steps. Probably that's another really good question. Probably about five or six years. Well, not quite five or six. Yeah, probably about five. <laughs> five about five years ago when. I was doing consistent updates with the Fanatic, and I was hosting a show, and I was doing St. Joe's, and I was starting to to do a little bit of TV here and there, do high school games, you know, here and there, and um, you know, it it felt like I wasn't wasn't grasping at straws every month to to make ends meet in terms of bills and and stuff like that, uh, where it actually felt like, hey, you know, you're getting somewhere, um, and you know, four or five years into that, I mean, you think about that, what other career four or five years out of college would somebody be like, yeah, you know what, I'm, I feel pretty good about, about taking me four or five years to get to this point. <laughs> yeah. I feel like broadcasting is it's so unique in that way where, you know, if you're in finance or if you're in business or you're in, you know, interior design or, or anything else, you know, four or five years, maybe I've thought, who knows? Maybe I'm coming off ignorant by by saying this, but I I feel like, you know, there are a lot of other professions and a lot of other places and a lot of other majors where, you know, you can do a, a heck of a lot better than than waiting four or five years to be like, hey, I'm paying my bills. Yeah. So every everything's good. Um. So I it honestly, I'm I'm 32 now. It probably didn't take me probably didn't take me until I was 27 or, or maybe even 28 to, to really actually feel comfortable and to feel good. Like, Hey, you know, this is, this is moving somewhere. And I think that feeling is honestly different for everybody. Um, I think you and I have the luxury of, of knowing a lot of people in this business where, you know, some of them, some of them, it came really early. Some of them, it came two or three years out of school. Some of them, it came six months out of school. Some of them, it came a year out of school. Um, but I, I think that's something that, you know, fate wise and, and luck wise and just hard work wise, that's, that's a, a kind of a different twist for everybody. Everybody's story is, is a little bit different that way. And just because it happened this way for this guy or that way for that guy doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the same way for you or for me or for, for anybody that, uh, that comes out of school where, wherever they happen to go to school. When did you make the jump to, uh, well, you mentioned a couple of years out of school, but uh, how did you make the jump to television? How comfortable was that for you? Uh, was that something you wanted, or, or how did that kind of present itself? Did you seek it out? Did you know you wanted to kind of go that, that network TV route? Walk me through the whole uh, radio to TV. I know you're still doing radio, but radio to TV move, so to speak. So this would have been probably five or six years ago. Joe Lenardi, who is my broadcast partner at St. Joe's, uh, and has now been for this will be eight seasons, probably, so this is five years ago, like the second or third year, we're early in our basketball season, and he gets a call from Verizon Fios 1 to do, go do a color for a Princeton game. And he does the game, and I'm like, you know, how'd it go? Uh, we, we talk like the, the day after and he's like, you know, if you ever wanted to get into TV, this would, these would be the people to, to try and start with. And I said, Oh, you know, what do you mean? And he said, you know, like, he's like, I think, you know, honestly, in terms of where you are right now and, and where they are and, you know, what they have, he said, I think you could probably go in and, and do games and, you know, it would be a good place to learn for you. And I said, okay, you know, do you have a, the guy's contact info who hired you? And he said, yeah, sure. And ended up giving me a name of of um, the guy that at the time was hiring. And I think my, my first assignment was like college football up in North Jersey. I think I had St. Peter's Prep. And I only remember it was St. Peter's Prep because one of our players, uh, Ron Roberts from St. Joe's, ended up going there. <laughs> it was St. Peter's Prep and, and somebody else. And the name, it's going to bother me now, but I, St. Peter's Prep and uh, I want to say St. Joe's Montvale. That's I a good think. guess. I think. I'm trying, to, I think. Like, I'm trying to think of powers up there, like Bergen. Could have yeah, been I, I want to say something. Probably, Don Bosco. I wanted, no, it wasn't. No, I don't think. It, I want to say it was St. Joe's Montvale, but I could be wrong. Um, 
so that was the first game I had. And they paired me with uh, a guy that had played football at Rutgers. And honestly, yeah, was it comfortable? No. Honestly, like, I, I look back on, on some of those tapes, and I'm like, wow, this is awful. Like, I was bad. And I, I think, you know, honestly, unless you, you come out of school with an equal amount of reps, the TV portion of things, unless you're just a natural, and unless being in front of the camera just comes that way to you, I think it's going to be awkward, and it's it's going to be a little weird. Um, my thought coming out of school was always, you know, I'll just be a radio guy for a while, and then, you know, maybe I'll just get to transition into TV. And then I started to realize that, you know, maybe it was a better idea to, to try and get into TV a little earlier than I thought, because um, there were some other things that were looked like they were coming down the pipe, although ESPN3 wasn't necessarily really... Uh, all that readily available, I guess, five or six years ago. The ESPNU stuff was starting, and I think, honestly, that was kind of the, the wake-up call for me, was when ESPNU started that campus connection, uh, probably like a couple years after we had gotten out of school, um, after I graduated in 06, that maybe it, it was a good idea to, to start to do that. So that was kind of what, what started the transition. It was just kind of a light bulb went on, and it was the thought was, hey, you know, you, you might have a much longer career if you if you start to, to do both early on and, and get yourself better at both and learn to do both. Um, not the easiest transition necessarily, especially because, you know, all of us radio guys, you know this, we all like to talk. Um, and the key with TV is knowing when to shut up. So uh, it wasn't necessarily the easiest transition, but I, I think, I get more comfortable every year and, and I feel a little bit better about it as I, as I get deeper into this, but it's definitely, I'm definitely not at the point. I'll be honest with you where I'm, where I'm a hundred percent, you know, where I feel great uh, about every game. Um, it's, it's still definitely a, a learning process every night. And there are things that things that happen on television where I'm just like, Oh, that's never happened before. I wonder <laughs> what next, I, I, I wonder what next week will bring. So, um, I think live TV is, is a whole other world uh, because there are so many other elements that control the broadcast where, you know, radio, you and your analysts, for the most part, it's the play controls the broadcast. But there are so many other extenuating, you know, and external factors that yeah. can, can come into play with a television broadcast. Yeah, comfortable was an interesting word because uh, I'm, I'm glad you used that one too because I've asked people a couple of times on this podcast, uh, when did you start feeling comfortable doing television? Uh, and I, I agree with you on the not being in control thing because that's kind of weird also when like all of a sudden like a, a video package rolls and you're not like prepared for it immediately and you've got to divert your attention and it's, it's kind of learning how to how to be the captain but not be the captain at the same time. Um, what was that like for you? And, and how did you get used to that uh, I, for lack of a better question there uh in terms of what it was like it's not easy it's definitely definitely not easy um i think that's that's the biggest thing you know seeing when you're you're actually seeing pictures and, and talking to your pictures where radio wise you know you're painting the picture and television is just so much more okay, your producer or your TD or whoever it is in the truck is showing you this. Well, what can you come up with that, that almost makes it, makes it flow with, with the broadcast? Um, you know, what, what kind of preparation do you have that way? And, you know, what can you say that's descriptive, but at the same time, not, not over descriptive. They can just get can caption, you know, big plays as they happen. Um, in terms of comfort level, when did I start to feel good? Probably maybe about a year and a half, two years ago, where I started to do a little bit more of this, and I did some Fox regional stuff, and um, you know, I kind of started to feel like I could do bigger games, um, even though they were, you know, they weren't necessarily like the most highly attended games, but they were Division One games. Um, you know, to to get the idea that, you know, you can can call the game on TV um, and it won't necessarily be overwhelming for you. There won't be so much happening where it's like sensory overload. Not that I've ever necessarily felt like that, but I think your your first few TV broadcasts, your first handful or so, um, it's 
it's definitely, you know, baptism by fire, unless, like I said, unless you really have that natural comfort. So I would say probably about a year and a half, two years ago, where I started to feel better. But in terms of, like I said, and I'll, I'll admit this, I'm, I'm okay with this. You know, um, there are certainly things that, things that happen where, you know, I'm, I, I'm still learning. And I'm, I'm still, I think, learning night in, night out. I, I'm definitely comfortable, but am I, am I 100% all the time, you know, driving the bus? No, probably not. But I, I think uh, it gets better with, with each rep, with each game. Uh, what did you learn most recently? Is there something you, you came away from a, a recent game saying, well, that was new? Ooh, that's, that's actually, that's, that's another, another perfect one. Oh, let's see. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. Make, make sure, make sure that your communication across the board is, is completely sewn up, uh, from truck to, you know, to play by play, to analyst, to sideline reporter, to studio. Um, I, I won't elaborate into exactly what happened. Um, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you think one thing is going to be one way and it ends up being another way. And, you know, sometimes, uh, that doesn't necessarily end up going the, the way you thought it was going to go. doesn't go that way. Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And you kind of, you kind of, you're kind of leave yourself hanging, uh, where if your communication, uh, would have been a little bit better then you might not have left yourself hanging. Um, with uh, kind of up a creek without a paddle type thing. Sure. Um, so yeah, I think that in terms of what I what I learned most recently, that was probably it. And avoid talking over as many snaps as you can when it comes to to, to football and television. Um, sometimes when a team is faster paced, I, I learned that firsthand with with doing Central Florida, with doing UCF a few weeks back. That if you're trying to run a Chip Kelly type of offense that both your play-by-play guy and your analyst need to be quicker. I needed to be quicker getting out of the play, and uh, my guy needed to be a, a little bit quicker talking about the play because where there was a replay or two, you, you had to cut out of the replay because the pace of that offense is just so fast. Um, so, you know, so little things like that. And uh, who knows Who knows what I'm going to learn. I have a bye this weekend, but who knows what I'm going to learn next week when we're down in Houston. I'm sure it'll be... Be something new and exciting, though. Preparation for you. How many different How many different entities are you calling games for right now? Let's see. I mean, in terms of entities, you mean networks or? I mean, like, like the, we rattled off that list earlier. Like, how many things are you involved with right now that that are calling you having doing games? Right now, for the most part, this is this is as light as it's going to get. Um, or I guess right better now, better I'm, question would be, how many have you done at one time? Oh, let's see. I was doing, there was one week where I think I, I had work at the Fanatic. I had updates. I had Westwood shifts for the Olympics. I had St. Joe's games. And I want to say I had a Campus Insiders basketball game or two in like a one or two week span. So probably like four or five different outlets. I mean, I wasn't calling games for all of them. Sure. Uh, But in terms of, Probably two or three at a time where I've, I've done some hockey for one world, some Chinese basketball for one world, and then some St. Joe's basketball and some Campus Insider stuff. And so probably about, about two or three at a time. Um, how, do you keep your, how do you keep your prep straight? And, and how do you prep efficiently so that you know you're, you're doing justice to each one of those entities? I think it's time management. And honestly, my wife will tell you that. <laughs> this goes back to the sleep something. thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's something that I still don't do quite as efficiently as I possibly could because I'm up late a lot. And honestly, if I used my time during the day, sometimes as good as I could, I wouldn't have to do that. Um, but sometimes I, I probably wait a little longer than I would like to, and I and I am up late some nights. So I, I think the the short answer is, you know you best, yeah. I think, in terms of what you can retain, and you know how much you're you're going to use, and and when you're you know when you're just reading something for the sake of reading it, whether 
or if you're reading it because, you know, you feel like it's going to be beneficial to you. Um, so I, I think it's kind of like an introspective thing. You have to know you and, and honestly, you know, what works for you in, in, in terms of when you prep. Um, football-wise, football-wise, it's insane. And, I mean, you, you know this. Yep. <laughs> I mean, and it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just the game notes <laughs> – you know, game notes, listen to the radio show, listen to coach interviews. It's, it's beat writers. It's, you know, it's getting a, a DVR of, of the previous week's game and trying well, to watch that. And I know one of the teams every out. week. You don't know, yeah. like, you, you got to do two, yeah. which I can't yeah. imagine. And, well, the, the nice thing, the nice thing, though, about that is with a lot of these schools and with the way this package is going to work, it's 10 games, so I have a lot of these teams twice. True. So if I'm not better the second time around when we see FIU and FAU and Southern Miss, and, then that's my fault. And honestly, there's no excuse for that. So I, I'll do everything in my power to make sure that, that I am even sharper in terms of just skill guys and personnel and things like that uh, based on the from that second time versus the first time that I saw them. Uh, but again, I, I think the short answer is, you have to know you, and you have to understand what works. And I think the, the only way you do that is is by trial, um, because you know you try and, and devote as much time to, to every game, you know, as you would like to. But you know, sometimes circumstances come up, and sometimes some weeks are, are a little bit different, where maybe you get an extra hour or two on one team. Um, and sometimes, honestly, I think you know this, you know, as well as anybody. Uh, because of all the different entities and different places you've done games, sometimes on a lot of these schools, you have to do your best to, to seek out the information. Yeah. Um, sometimes there just isn't a whole lot of information available. I had um, I had a game w- without giving away who the opponent was in in week two, where you know it was a website, it was game notes, and there was a play by play guy to talk to, but there was no real beat writer or nobody else in terms of that. But with coach and coordinators and no access to players, and it was just, it was a very, it felt like it was a very one-sided broadcast, um, more because there was just a fountain of information available on one opponent, and the other one, it just, it just wasn't there. No matter how much you dug for it, and how much you reached, and how many people you talked to, it was going to be really, really hard to, to pull blood from the stone in that particular instance. Um and some games are going to be like that. Sometimes that, that just happens. Um, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, uh, again, coming back to it, I feel like I've said this four or five times now. Yeah. Um, and you're, you know, you're your best uh, source that way in terms of, you know, we always say you're your own worst critic. Yeah, you're also your own worst critic of your prep in terms of, you know, did I do enough here or did I research enough here? Did I read or did I talk to enough people? Only at the end of the day, you can know that because, you know, nine times out of 10 people watching on television, they don't know any better, but you do, you know, you do at the end of the day. And honestly, the people that really know and the people that really follow broadcasting, they'll be able to tell, you know, they'll be able to tell if you and I are underprepared. Um, so I think it, at the end of the day, you know, when you look inside yourself, um, only you can say, you know, did I devote enough time? And you have to determine what that, what the, you know, what the the holy grail is or the $64 question. Um, the answer is the $64 question in terms of what is enough prep. I don't want to take too much more of your time because uh, I know you told me you don't get a ton of Thursday nights at home uh, this time of year. Um, but uh, I want to branch off of that because you had mentioned the One World Sports stuff. Uh, and I can't imagine those are easy preparation wise. Maybe they, maybe I'm wrong on that, but like, how do you, what is it like getting prepared to call a, a Shanghai basketball game? And what is it like actually doing it? Uh, see that, that's one of those things where it's a little harder to focus on kind of the stories and things like that because they're, it's, again, they just aren't readily available. You just talk about uh, Stefan Marbury a lot. Yeah, you talk about Stephon Marbury a lot <laughs> and uh, Randall, Randall, Randall Morris or Randolph Morris. Um, trying to think some of the other guys. Nate Robinson, some of the other guys that are over there. Andre Palach. Wow. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Talk about talk school. about morning casts at WAER, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Andre Andre Blatch. <laughs> um, and a check of Henniger alums. Andre Blatch had two points for the Wizards. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, you would you would see guys like that over there, and those stories are easy. Um, but some of the other ones where it's like Jen Lee. Okay, Jen Lee is there. Jen Lee's their three-point specialist for, you know, for Guangdong or Beijing or, or whoever it happens to be. And there are some websites that that's what is nice. Um, you know, an, an American site in terms of people who cover Nippon professional baseball and, and things like that. Sure. So, you know, there was, there was enough information, but you, know, you had to dig deep. You had to really, really dig deep. Um, and honestly, I was only doing uh, a handful of games. I was doing, you know, a handful of KHL and uh, one or two CBA games. I probably did more Japanese baseball in terms of what I called than, than anything. Um, and those were at like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning in terms of first pitches over here. So that was that was more of the challenge too to actually be able to stay awake for some of those and make sure <laughs> you had enough caffeine in you that when you got up at two o'clock in the morning uh, for the, the three a.m. crew call that you would be ready to go for that. So yeah, that, that's definitely a big time challenge. Um, and again, you know, I think if, if you're a good enough broadcaster, um, and you know, you know, you know, what, what makes sense in terms of the right amount of balance of game story versus individual player story and stuff like that. Um, then I think you'll be okay. But at the end of the day with a lot of those, you're more focusing on the action. And I think, you know, I, I think people aren't dumb. But people understand that, that when you're calling, uh, when you're calling an event like that, maybe they don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they don't know that, that some of the announcers aren't there, um, that they aren't there a lot. But I would think that, that most people assume that, you know, if it's depending on which outfit it's on, that it may not necessarily, may not necessarily be airing, um, you know, right, <laughs> right from right from the exact from the exact site without uh, without getting myself in trouble. Um, you know, I think uh, again, it it comes back to you do as much homework as you possibly can, and I think you, you realize that there is an understanding from the people that are hiring you do them as well that you're not going to be able to find every story and every fact and and everything on every player, but. Um, you know, you prep your butt off and, and you do the best that you can, um, you know, to, to try and try and obviously um, not make it, but but just to, to try and um, go out there and, and make sure that, that you broadcast to, to the best of your ability and, and give them, um, you know, as, as much as you possibly can. Um, so they feel like they're, you know, they're, they're getting their, their money's worth by tuning in um, and that they, they have the information on their team. I will leave you with this question, uh, which is probably the most grotesquely vague and uh, umbrella question I'll ask you uh, during this whole thing, um, and then I'll let you go. But uh, what makes good play-by-play announcing to you? What do you like when you watch a guy or listen to a guy or girl? Ooh, yeah, that is vague. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, really vague. Ah, uh, Wow. Knowing the the first thing for me is is knowing that that somebody prepared, um, that somebody did a little bit more than than just read the game notes. Like I said, somebody actually took the time to to read the clippings and to interview the beat writer and to really get a feel for the the culture of where they are, or you know, just just actually soak up the place where they're doing the game. Um, where they actually read up on the town. Um, and, you know, the, there are plenty of, of things technically. You know, you and I could, could break this down all night in terms of how a guy's inflection is on this play or that play or if his voice was resonant enough. Um, but I, honestly, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, preparation, um, the five-minute test, you know, can you can you actually sit around and, and stomach it, you know, for, for more than five minutes where you're like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm no longer listening just because I want to know the score anymore. Uh, this guy's actually good. Um, so there's, there's that aspect I think to it. 
there's um, a conversational comfort element as well. I don't know how much you listen to, to Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson in Philadelphia, but I turn on the Phillies games and I know exactly what I'm going to get. I know that that they're going to be prepared, that Fransky's going to be prepared, and um, you know LA will do his homework. But even further than that, is I, I know what kind of camaraderie they have and what kind of rapport and what kind of relationship that there is um, between play-by-play broadcaster and analyst. Uh, and it's something that I look forward to when I actually turn on those broadcasts is two guys that genuinely enjoy working together and enjoy one another's company and know that they're doing something that at the end of the day, millions of people would, would kill to do. Uh, we always talk about how much, you know, this beats working for a living. Yeah. Uh, beats sitting, sitting in a cube or behind a desk or whatever that may be. And it's, you know, not to minimize that, um, but this is it's something that's unique um, to a, a very small group of people um, with, you know, I, I think some, some pretty unique skill sets, some a lot better than others. Um, but honestly, yeah, at the end of the day, Comfort, conversational element, comfortable feel, preparation, sound obviously helps too. You know, in terms of you know they have to have to have a good voice. Um, you know, it's not too high, not too. I, I don't necessarily. I, I sometimes I almost I don't necessarily gravitate to, to guys that that always have the deepest voices. Um, I think you know resonance combined with a with a conversational element to me is has always been fun. So I, I think it's a, it's a lot of different factors. Honestly, there's no there's no necessarily you know map to the national treasure, if you will. Uh, there are, there are a lot of different guys that I like for a, a lot of different reasons. I like Ian Eagle just because of his enthusiasm and his preparation and his wit. Honestly, his his rapier wit and his you know be ready for anything at any time sense of humor where he could just throw something at Dan Fouts or throw something at at uh, whether it's Jim Spinark or whoever it happens to be um, you know throw something where you're like wow where did that come from that was amazing <laughs> yep um, so that I, I like I in that way I love Sean McDonough that way. Uh, obviously, because of the preparation and the stories, nobody is better. Uh, I don't think it at finding those those little nuggets and those great stories than Sean is. You know, Dan. I could listen to Dan Schulman call baseball all day long. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many long drives uh, that there have been where you know he's gotten me through. Um, <laughs> you know, with with his baseball play by play. But I, I think it's, it, it varies, honestly, from announcer to announcer. I love Kevin Cougar's energy. Um, I, I love Kevin Harlan's description and just the fact that he, he's got a little bit of a zany element to him. You know, just the fact that, um, you know, he could be as, as crazy and, and as zany to, to call that, that play of the shirtless fan like he did and do it just <laughs> like he was doing, you know. He's shirtless at the fifty. He's he's obviously drunk. <laughs> like that was amazing. That's a really good Harlan, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you need to you need to try and pack as much description as you pipe. You know, caps his right foot, takes the snap, rolls to his right, turns, spins, throws, completes it across the middle. It's Crabtree, spins up to the fifty, down to the forty-five, and up to the forty-yard line. He's out of bounds. Michael Crabtree. Is fading on his Kevin Harlan impersonation. So, um, oh, that's good. But that, there are there are different things I like uh, about a lot of different announcers. So I I don't know that there's there's necessarily a formula, uh, at least with me in terms of of what makes great play by play, preparation, comfort, and, and sound. I guess in in varying degrees. Thankfully, I'm not hiring anybody. I'm not firing anybody. So I can just I can tell you what I like and what I don't like, and um, hopefully it makes sense. But there are a lot of good guys that do this, and uh, a lot of people that are really really lucky, uh, and I'm one of them to be able to do this because it's something that I wanted to do 
God since for as long as I can remember because I knew that one day that, you know, my athletic ability, any type of athletic ability I had in high school was going to go away and that this was going to be the next best thing, you know, to, um, to doing the same thing every day, five days a week. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not minimizing anything that, that anybody does, um, but I just, I'm not built that way. And a, a lot of people I think that do this aren't built that way. So uh, we're, we're all really, really fortunate to be able to do it and to be able to, to do it for a lot of people and, and get to see a lot of amazing places and meet a lot of interesting people in doing it. Um, I consider myself very fortunate and, um, Hopefully, uh, some people take, take a few things away from this, from, from my rambling here. That is Matt Martucci joining us here again on Play by Playcast. You can follow Tooch on Twitter. Uh, Tooch PXP is his handle at Tooch PXP, T O O C H PXP. Uh, really good dude. Uh, and if you haven't had a chance to catch his work, uh, we read down the list at the beginning of the podcast. We did it in the podcast. Uh, no shortage of places. You can find Matt Martucci. Uh, but. Uh, one of the guys that is a, a real up-and-comer in this industry. Again, 32 years old. He's done a lot of the stuff that, that he's done already, and and and, uh, and he's good. He's really good. So uh, if you get an opportunity to uh, to check out Matt, certainly go ahead and uh, do that. Give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, shout him out. Uh, let him know you heard his, his comments here today. Uh, pick his brain. I don't know if I can offer that for him, but <laughs> um, Tooch is a, a really good dude and, uh, and really good at what he does. Uh, we're out of time, though, because the podcast went long today, and uh, I know if you're on the treadmill or something like that, uh, you're probably dying at this point, or you've already made it home, and you just want to eat dinner, but you're still listening to the podcast off your commute, so we will uh, cut things short here on the close today. They are playing the music, which means it is time for us to get up on out of here. We're back here next week. Eli Gold from Alabama Football will be our guest. We'll talk a little bit of SEC football and uh, dive into it with Eli Gold next week. That's right here on Play by Playcast. Until then, so long from the studio apartment here in Indianapolis. Good night.